Well, good day to you. Uh, if this is the first time you're tuning in, which is a very old expression, probably defunct and redundant now, tuning in to this podcast number 39, that means you've missed 38 top quality episodes of Witch Car Weekly. Welcome. Again, my name is Daniel Gardner and I'm a representative of Witch Car. I'm joined in the studio by another representative of Witch Car, the venerable Tony O'Kane, senior writer, journalist at witchcar.com. Venerable makes me sound ancient. You, I thought you were around about the 60s. Mid-30s, mate. I'm a oh, millennial. Sorry. sorry. Must 600 be years old. How dare you? Must be the sun. Uh, the other dulcet tone you hear in the studio is, of course, the regular returning and founder member, Scott Newman, associate editor of Motor Magazine. Hello. And <laughs> we we gather again within these four walls and one ceiling and a floor to talk about all of our favourite motoring matters that didn't make the pages of our magazines or the virtual pages of our website. On today's chat... PSA, FCA, MOU, WTF, exclusive super coupes. Coupes? I'll just say coupes. You stuffed yourself up with this one, didn't uh, you? Should I do it again? No, I'm going to carry on. <laughs> I push through because I persevere as this kind of guy and I roll out in drag. Keep calm and carry on. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I thought I did well to get through PSA, FCA, MOU, WTF. Yep. So at least Not give bad. me a little credit for that. And I'm going to explain exactly what I mean by that. PSA and FCA, two of the... Do you call them heavy hitters in the motoring industry? Certainly FCA is. Mm, as far as acronyms are concerned, they're the big ones. Have announced a merger. Yes. They will become one. An M&A. Mm. Yeah. What's that an M-O-U? Another... Merger of... Memorandum of Understanding. Oh, which is the M-O-U. Yeah. I was thinking M&A, merger and acquisition. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. splitting hairs. What's happening <laughs> is those two are become, <laughs> becoming one and the same. When two become one, as the Spice Girls once famously said. Oh, that's a great track. Great if song. we were a radio show, we'd be playing that very next time. <laughs> can, we? can we? Can we get the license for it? No, Tony. Oh. What we will be doing is explaining what that means. It may sound like, you know, no big deal, but it is. Because potentially the... the well, actually, I wonder what they're going to call it now. Anyway, whatever the entity is, will be the third largest car manufacturer in the world. Yes. Hmm. Which means it's going to knock someone out of the top Is it third three. or fourth? Oh, I don't know. I think it's fourth after Volkswagen, Toyota, or Volkswagen Group, Toyota. General Motors. No, Renault, Mitsubishi, yeah, Renault. Nissan? Or is they sli- have they slipped? Maybe they've slipped. I don't know. Uh, anyway, okay. Yeah. Well, it, it's a very, know. very it, big <laughs> automotive company. There's yeah. so many conglomerates these days. It's hard to keep track. Yes. And how it, do you count it? So, what does this mean for the industry? Obviously, it means a lot, but let's stick to the, the big news. Who wants to take it, me or Tony? Well, well I mean... Well, okay, well, I'll take we it. We can all take it as a team. We'll all take it as a team. <laughs> so, basically, so as the industry moves into this new frontier, electrification... Uh, different models of selling cars, all that sort of business, that if you're out on your own as a little fish, you're in big trouble because you don't have the billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of euros and dollars needed to invest in new platforms, new technologies, hence why we're seeing all these mergers. Uh, You need scale. And to get scale, you put these two entities together to create one big fish or bigger fish. Right. Okay, so we're talking a seriously big fish, sort of bordering on... What sort of fish would we, we say? Probably Bar- not a whale barracuda. shark. Not yet. Barracuda? Barracuda. Yeah, it's maybe a bit bigger than that. Maybe like tuna. a... I'm gonna an go ocean trout. Tuna. Oh, tuna's a big... Yeah, tuna. tuna. Okay, yeah, we'll say it's a tuna. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. <laughs> Amazing. What about not... a sailfish? You ever seen <laughs> that? Yeah, sailfish. Well, they wish. They wish. No, of course, it would be a turbot. A turbot? Well, it's an automotive-themed fish. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's got a turbo in it. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, Let's move on to more uh, relevant more topics. Yes, please. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the two companies in uh, isolation have had their own woes and worries and, and tribulations of yes. late. Does this necessarily mean that they're going to solve all those by being a bit bigger? For well, example... Hmm. Um, Alfa Romeo announced in its pl- well, sorry, FCA announced that there was going to be no none of the sporty models that they had previously announced about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be a hot hatch. There's going to be a sports coupe. They've recently said that's not going to happen. My question is, will it now perhaps happen again because they have a little bit more weight to them and security? Uh, I think no, because they've come out and cancelled all their sports cars. Yep. Alfa Romeo will now be an SUV brand going forward with the Julia. Uh, with the Julia being the one non-SUV. Yeah. Um, it's a, So, just we'll rewind slightly. So, they, we've got all the acronyms, but basically the brands are Peugeot, Citroën, Opel, Vauxhall, uh, L- on the PSA side, and then FCA brings to the party lots of stuff. Fiat, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Lancia. Yeah. I think that's it. Maserati, um, is that still there? Uh, yes, yeah, sorry, Maserati yeah. as well. Yes, yeah. correct. Um, Ferrari is a different entity. It's like it's only publicly traded company, so yeah. it's kind of in this family. It's kind of not, it's kind of the black sheep Ooh. or the black prancing horse, maybe. Brilliant. Um, yeah, like that. So, PSA actually doing really well. Ever since Carlos Tavares took over, they've had a big turnaround. They're making money. Uh, he managed to deal with the French government and get some of their you know, you know union costs down and labour costs down and stuff like that. FCA is in a world of hurt. The money they spend on Alpha isn't working. Dodge, all the Dodge brands are old as the heels. Basically, it's propped up. And essentially why PSA bought it or wanted to do this is to get access to Jeep because it makes a heap of money for not much outlay mm. making SUVs. But you've got all these cars that some people want. Like, there's some good cars in there, but stuff like the Peugeot stuff smalls in, sells yeah. in small numbers worldwide. It's not like a Volkswagen Golf, for instance. And then the FCA stuff's all a bunch of detritus, which isn't in very good shape. So, Carlos Tavares, who's going to take over the whole company, whatever they call it, and the boss of FCA, Mike Manley, is going to slot in under him, they've got a hell of a job. They've got to turn all this into basically trying to take on Toyota and Volkswagen. But as you say, it's all about achieving scale, and the economy of scale particularly. Correct. And this this grouping of companies now gives um, the other side, so PSA is, is effectively giving um, the FCA side... Uh, access, more access to the European market through mm-hmm. the the Peugeot and Citroen product, um, while conversely, teaming up with FCA gives uh, the Europeans access to uh, the US and critically the large truck market because there's Ram and Ram is like the major money spinner for yeah. for Fiat, uh, Fiat Chrysler right now um, because they're such a high margin product and they sell stacks of them yep. in the US and that's going to make a fair, fair difference to the bottom line of, uh, and that's why I think it's a good tie-up. There's a lot of work ahead, a lot of invest- yeah. investment needed. But if you look at the what the two offer, there are good synergies there. For instance, yeah. um, PSA, you've got small hatches, you've got electrification, you've got a sort mm-hmm. of a medium yeah. sedan um, platform. Um, obviously, through Peugeot, they have commercial vehicles as well, all the vans mm-hmm. and everything. So therefore, you know, Fiat vans, Peugeot vans. Some of the RAM stuff maybe could go off like a common commercial platform. Yeah. Um, and then you've got like a sedan platform. You've got a hatch platform with the Jeeps, with all the SUVs. You could put uh, like Jeep, Peugeot, Opal, all that stuff on one SUV platform. Mm. So, But I think they've almost got to kind of start again. They can probably cherry pick bits here and bits there of various brands. But um, 
you got here our alpha back. I'd like to see Lancia come back. Why couldn't you just take like a say take a that would a be poor really brand, cool. <laughs> like yeah. a rear drive platform because they need a new Chrysler three hundred C that thing's seven hundred years old. Yeah. yeah. Same with the Charger. Same with the Challenger. Um, so surely uh, they could get a rear drive platform, maybe spin it off the Julia. They've already spent five billion on the U- Julia platform, and it's mm. it's a really great and it's platform. a great thing. So yeah. you know, make it surely you can. It's modular enough to stretch it a little bit to have a slightly larger sedan, mm. and then you've got. Um, see, what I think is interesting is that you can't make specific models for each country anymore because it's too expensive. You yeah. need one platform, yeah. Yeah. but I think one Ford proved that you can't just sell one car around the world either. That didn't work either because. There's enough, but surely if you take the one platform and just stick a different body on it, hmm. which um, is totally doable, and totally with, doable, with yeah. the advent of electrification, that task becomes even easier. Even easier, that's right. So that's why right. can't you have? Let's stick with the rear. I think make makes essentially the same car, but put like a stylish body on it for Italy, a cool body for Chrysler in the US, and then you know a nice hmm. Peugeot body. And because they've always oh, the one thing, the good thing they've got is they've always already got good market share in. France, because yeah, of Peugeot yeah. and Citroën. Yeah. The US from Ram and yeah. Jeep and stuff like that. So there is possibilities here. It's just that... Well, you can, so you can get, say, you can be broader than France. You can say Europe. They've, yeah. They're excellent. They're doing yep. very well there. And if you've got the US as well, yep. then... So this brings me to my next question then, which is... So you have... Um, be, um, beneath all of those uh, brands, you've got something for everyone, except Australia. Let's bring it back to home. Neither of those brands, the, the separate entities, do particularly well in Australia. No. Is n- nothing going to change with this merger? I mean, well, arguably, probably not. Well, one of the most interesting things about it, and Tony, would be interesting to hear your thoughts on this, is that where does it leave Holden? Yes, exactly. Because yes. Holden now get their cars from... PSA. PSA. Their Holden is still owned by GM, but they get their cars from PSA, which now own... Opal. Which is now part of Fiat, y- Chrysler. Yeah. And who do crisis. So we could have two competitors effectively owned by the same company. Yeah, so where's Holden going to get yeah. cars from? Like- My <laughs> prediction on the Holden side is that you know, if, if the brand does stay in Australia, and a lot of people are saying that it, that it might not, that they might dump Holden in Australia full stop. But I reckon if they, they keep it on, they'll probably have a rebadge Chevrolet Malibu, something like that. Oh, dear. Yeah, because that did well. Yeah. yeah that was, or, worked so well last time. Well, yeah. the last one was terrible. The new one doesn't look so bad, but I haven't driven one. And the same goes for the Impala. Uh, but they're both sort of conceivably similar size vehicles. There's also Buick stuff, Buick sedans that yeah. could come along. But they're all sort of similar form factor, still transverse engines. They're, they're very different to the, the Commodores that we know and love over here. Yeah, because PSA kind of inherited the current... Commodore slash Insignia yeah. when they bought GM Europe, yeah. Yeah. which they don't really, really want because they've got a Peugeot 508 that yeah. is probably a better car anyway. It's like they've got that car in their portfolio already, so why would they want this other one? Yeah. And then now it seems like every step that goes that comes along, now the Fiat entering the equation, why would they keep... So it seems like this like it continues as is, which seems complex. Do PSA slash FCA buy Holden? Again, yeah. seems unlikely. Yeah. Or Who would? Whoops. Do hold? Do, do they close Holden, or do they remake Holden with imported GM product? It's it's such a weird situation, and and Holden right now sort of seems like uh, a kid who's stuck in um, his parents' divorce and is kind of being pulled in either yeah. direction. And Mum's already found it's someone very else. Very real and very sad, oh, but <laughs> analogy, but very accurate. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, sorry to uh, bring you all down, but <laughs> it's, it's kind of how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> Last question on this subject before we move on to something perhaps a little uh, more 
don't know, brighter, hopefully. hopefully. Uh, how soon or how long do we have to wait before we start seeing some of the products of this merge? I think it'll be a while because I'll have to, yeah. I mean, so many things will all be in, already be in development. They have to there'll see them a, out, obviously. There'll be a, a product more. lineup. But I mean, that's the thing. They've already seen they will slash and burn. Like this year, we went to see like that jewelry inspired two-door, the GTV, yeah. been killed, 8C yeah. supercar, killed. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is that they said that There'd be no job losses and no plant closures. So how are they going to pull that one how with exactly. a with a you know streamlined yeah. lineup, streamlined supply chain? Why would you keep all these unless they're planning on selling bazillions of cars? Um, I think we'll see some pretty big rationalisations within the lineup. And as I suppose the general rule is, it's about five years of development from yeah, the very probably. inception to the. So yeah. once they've got all of the cars out of the system that they that they obviously can't drop, then you have to start counting five years. So it's going to be a very long time before we see anything that actually resulted from the decision that was made this week. That's right. Yep. Two cars emerged in this week as well. Uh, a little bit sexier, a little bit more aspirational than some of the other models we were talking about in the PSA FCA merger. It was a Ferrari and a McLaren. Very consumer advice. Yes, yeah, sure. Well, we've gone from one very consumer. Yes. We, we do it all, which call we, we, do we, we cover we everything, yep. you know, so we've gone from one extreme to the other. Yes, uh, McLaren has revealed its latest model, which is very, very low volume. It's called the Elva. Mm-hmm. Quite why they named a car after a baby eel, I don't know. And Ferrari has revealed its Roma. Now, both uh, aspirational, very high um, prestige brands, but they actually represent opposite ends of their own markets, don't they? The Elva is extremely limited, very exclusive. It's, I think 399 they're going to make. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Ferrari, albeit sort of uh, you know, v- a turbocharged V8 two-seater, is at uh, the very end, they're calling it entry level. <laughs> Good on you, Ferrari, but that's entry level. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, which one do we take first? Let's let's pick these apart and find out exactly what they do. Okay. Shall we start with the McLaren? Yes, please. What, so, what's special about it? Well, uh, one thing before we get started. I, so the, the McLaren Elva is the latest in McLaren's Super Series, which started with the P1, has gone on with the Senna. I do enjoy that uh, in the Elva press release it says, following on from its predecessors, the P1, the Senna, and the Speedtail, referencing the Speedtail, which hasn't actually been... Released yet? Hasn't oh, made yeah. production yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. Shows it shows though how quickly these cars are following yeah. each other and coming out that they've all got a new super series car before the last one's even finished. Uh, anyway, it's a basically a roofless. It's it's tempting to call it a roofless. British Ferrari Monza. Which Hang on, go back would... one. Is this a super series or is it an ultimate series? Because they have sports, they have super, and then they have and they have ultimate. What's the three? I think classes? it's a super series. Oh. Yeah, there's yeah. The bottom ones are maybe it's sports. an ultimate series. I think it's ultimate. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I got that wrong. Okay. No. Um, so carry on, because I was confused then, which is not difficult as you know. But I might have to update my story then. Sorry, McLaren. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but okay. So it, the basic bones are the same as every McLaren: carbon tub, yeah. four-liter twin turbo V8. Yeah. This one's got 600 kilowatts. So that's a bit more. Um, seven-speed dual-clutch gearbox, rear-wheel drive. But this is the lightest McLaren road car ever. Yeah, and okay. and we know exactly how they've done that. Because they've left bits off. They have. They've yeah, <laughs> like, added by subtraction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just, yeah. You can't. That's just cheating. That's like they've saying, also got an asterisk on it because they don't actually know how much it's going to weigh yet. So yeah. just trust well, us. Uh, okay. <laughs> so once again, an amazing like claim, a big call. Yes. Which with completely unsubstantiated. I'm going to go and modify one of the cars we've got in the in the car park now to be the lightest Honda we've ever had. I'm that's taking right. the wheels and the seats out. That's right. Yeah, and the engine. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's but a it's pedal still going to be the lightest Honda we've <laughs> ever made. A technical uh, win is still a win. 
That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Take them where you can get them. Uh, but it's also, what was I going to say? It was, oh, that's right. Another egg bold claim is yeah. zero to 200, 6.7 seconds. Oh, wow. That's, that's brisk. That's... And given it takes three to get to 100, yeah. it's almost as quick from 100 to 200 as it is from zero to 100. Wow. That's, that's kind like of hard to get. Like yeah, it's kind of hard to get your head around. That is um, mind-bending. Do you like it, though? Do we like it? I like it. You like it? Beyond the fact that its name reminds me of Elvira, who is... Uh, I thought you were going to say Elvis. No, not Elvis. <laughs> Elvis is not as visually appealing as Elvira is uh, for those who remember her. Is a nerd thing, Tony? No, do you like not remember it. her? It no. sounds so nerdy already. Oh, Go on. Yeah. I thought you were going to say it's some anime character or something. No, no, no. She was like a, I don't know, 90s American um, sort of pop culture icon. She she did had the show about like scary movies and stuff, but she had like... A pretty curvaceous body. Oh, I Look see. her up. I encourage it. Young Tony. Well, that's not, that's not necessarily <laughs> yeah. a bad thing to associate no. the car with. No, 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 no. no because this car is similarly um, curvaceous in all the right places. And the fact it doesn't have a windshield kind of works. I'm, I'm always, um, I'm never really drawn to these sort of windshieldless uh, sort of Any car you've got to wear goggles in, I'll immediately yeah. lose its cool yeah. points. And you can't open yeah. your mouth because otherwise you'll be, be immediately eating like, yeah, flies. There was that Lotus, whatever it was called. 311. That, that's and the it. KTM. Yeah, and the SLR Sterling Moss. Yes, yep, another one, yep. None of them really looked that good, but this one actually has some good proportions to it. McLaren claims that you can drive it at high speed with no sort of ruffling of the hair thanks to its clever aerodynamics. It basically sucks in a whole lot of air in the front, uh, uses a, a deflector a in this air inlet and basically creates a bubble in which you, I'm pretty sceptical about that. Me I mean, too. Surely, yeah. I feel like you'd read it and then go, fantastic, go out for a drive and end up looking like Doc from Back to the Future after your first drive. Yeah, zero to 206.6. Like, it'll tear your wig off no yeah, matter what. Yeah, I know. Um, despite... Uh, as you'd expect, you know, it's, it's missing parts. So it's cheap. It's really cheap. You know? Very cheap. Yeah. $2.7 million Australian. Yeah. From. you got to do the MSO options after oh, that. Which, so, of course, everyone will, and then it'll yeah. be about $16 billion after yeah, that's that. that's right. Yeah, so they not only have they left parts out, they've also made it incredibly expensive. Quite how they justify that. And this is, the, so clearly it is too expensive, though, because they haven't sold them all yet. Well, that's normally, interesting. Yeah, normally the press release says, oh, you know, all currently spoken for. And this one doesn't, which maybe we're reading too much into it. But I feel like if they were all spoken for, they yeah. would say it, which is indicative of a slowing hypercar market, perhaps. Yeah, or I'm standing by my original claim. People are just looking at it. I'm sorry, you're asking too much for a car that doesn't have a windscreen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, mm. they have at least made it legal in all... Main markets, they said, um, which unlike the Ferrari Monza, which looks very, very similar in concept, um, can't be driven in, on the road in the US, which apparently is hampering it somewhat. But well, um, One car that you can drive on the road, as far as we can tell anywhere in the world, well, terrain permitting, uh, and it does have a windscreen, is the Ferrari, the Ferrari Roma. That's Ferrari Roma. Now, this is practical by comparison. It's it still is. only a two-seater. But now explain to me, though, because I don't understand where this fits in. Is this effectively the successor to the Portofino and sort of California? Is that that... That no, genealogy? It's, it's again. It's, it's, it's if you are unkind, you could probably call it a Portofino coupe. Um, it wasn't the wasn't the, yeah okay right. It's a hard top it, version of that. Yeah, hard top version of that. But then it's got a more power. It's got uh, well slightly more power. It's got new eight speed dual clutch. It's got a very different interior. I actually love the interior. Yeah, it's got a hot, completely different style to every other Ferrari. Um, it's the first so. A couple of years ago, Ferrari said, we're going to basically make our sports cars sportier and our GT cars more GT, more luxury. Mm. Uh, this is the first kind of uh, example of that. They've made it not 
about outright performance, more about it's kind of like a Aston DB11 by Ferrari. Yeah. Um, basically, they're trying to get a hell of a lot of money out of everyone while they can. Mm, yeah. Before what? What are you anticipating? Well, they, because they made the uh, announcement that they wanted to get um, to, I think, 30% margin by 2022. So to do that, you need to release a whole lot of new models. You need to charge a hell of a lot for them. And yeah, so it's part of their plan. But it's going to be entry level, so an absolute entry bargain. Level. That's right. What does a Portofino or a California? What did the California go for? We're talking about four hundred, high three hundred. Oh, right. So we're expecting this before get, options. And this thing's a hard top, so it'll be cheap by comparison. This will be. I imagine it'll probably sit in the four fifty range, four fifty to five hundred range. Absolutely yep. bargain. We're all going to get one, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But then you need to spend another hundred k on options like Apple CarPlay and rear view camera. <laughs> I know. And how much? How much is the standard in a Picanto? Yeah. yeah. Like how much does Ferrari charge for? Uh, last time I looked, I think on a Portofino, Apple CarPlay was about nine grand. Come on. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> bloody ridiculous. But that's a, I never uh, understand this about that end of the market is the people buying them got rich by being careful with the money. Yeah. People aren't, people are pretty tight at that level. And then suddenly there comes to buy a car and yeah. it's like yellow calipers, six grand. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah, Bargain. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I need like, some yellow stitching. Oh, could, that's worth $3,500. Yeah, you can have this Ferrari in red, or yeah. for an extra $20,000, you can have it in a slightly different shade of That's red. right. Yes, sign me up. <laughs> it's absolutely bloody ridiculous. It's a good yeah. point, though. Clearly, they, they've they've got to this point, this this uh, level of wealth by being really good with money, yeah. and then they completely bugger it all up. So it's ne- you're never going to see it again. Like As soon as it hits the second-hand market, it's just a, another, you know... You don't get your options pricing back. So, if you want to talk about madness, gentlemen, then I I have a subject for you. Madness. Mm-hmm. Um, good company in the studio today, uh, Scotty. It's no secret that you've done a fair bit of racing in your time. Pretty handy steerer, Tony. You uh, are an avid track day enthusiast mm-hmm. and and also a very handy steerer. Apart from that time that you had a GoPro uh, on your car <laughs> and you span into the infield. But anyway, we're not going to talk about that. Um, my point is, is you are both feel quite at home on a track yes fair to say sure ish yep well i'm not i've never done any kind of racing or track days at all and this week i did something that i've never done nor ever thought i would have the opportunity to do at the moment there is a competition running called street machine drag challenge 2019 which is when you can pay a reasonable fee and turn up for a, a different drag racing event every day of the week but you must drive your car in between each event this is the maddest event in i don't know why people do utter it. insanity they get a massive feel like it's hundreds of cars and, and yes they inevitably break during the day because they're all you know six thousand horsepower yeah. and everything like that like these cars what is it, a car did like a seven second pass or something it was yeah, the fastest pass ever yeah. and street registered street registered they have um to Wink, wink. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> don't tell the cops. They're all registered. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they are all registered. That's exactly yeah. right. Um, it is remarkable. Like they're two thousand horsepower cars doing seven, eight second passes that then tow a trailer to the next pass. But you get people f- replacing gearboxes, replacing yep. head gaskets, cylinders, you know, pistons, everything overnight, and then racing the next day. Yeah, I don't know why anyone does it, but they all seem to love it and have a good time. They, well, this is the first year I've attended, and not only was I there to do a fair bit of spectating, I, I'm actually competing. Oh, did you win? <clears throat> yeah. Well, a win is a it's a it's a 
Yeah, it's a tenuous term. In the blown-out claw class, I believe you were a blown-out How out good, how good. Not only am I in drag for a week, I'm also in the class called Outlaw Blown. <laughs> I mean, this is, all, this is all sounding very Brokeback Mountain to me, and I'm loving every minute of it. It could not be further from that. It is very... Um, look, I'll be honest, it was terrifying. My first, yeah? my first pass, I was very, very nervous. You were nervous. Because, yeah. I should say, the vehicle that um, someone has foolishly lent me for this, I am in a... Uh, Chevrolet Camaro, um, what is it? ZL1. Yes. ZL1. The super, no, it's a Z. It's a supercharged 6.2. It makes 477 kilowatts, just under 900 newton meters of torque. Mm -hmm. And it tries to put it all down to the ground through just two rear wheels. I'm interested in your, because I recently performance assisted this at Performance Car of the Year. So I'm interested in your your take of what it was like to manhandle the ZL1. Well, manhandle is probably a push. uh, (laughs) I certainly had a steer, yes. Yes. Uh, Okay, so it was... An amazing experience. I needn't have been nervous or scared at all because the company is fantastic. The the people who turn up are absolutely wonderful. As soon as they find out you've never done anything like it, they couldn't be more helpful and more accepting and friendly. Tons of advice from everyone. The thing I was really scared of is cocking up the burnout. Oh, I was going to say, did you do a burnout? Well, you've got to. You've got yeah. to. You can't just roll up and start. So the only modification we've made to the car, as per the rules of Drag Challenge, is you have to put on um, some radial tyres. So mm-hmm. that's the only thing. So to get some heat into them and get them nicely... Um, cut then you you have to do a burnout and i can't remember the last time i did a burnout because you know as motor journalists we we can't afford to lose our licenses Mm. so unless you're on the track all the time you don't have a chance to legally do a burnout well so i'm rolling up in this thing thinking i don't know how to do a burnout zero one doesn't mean burnout well, even in the hands of an absolute idiot, I can say conclusively, my God, does it do a fantastic burnout. <laughs> no problem at all. What was your what was your um strategy? Uh well, obviously it's an auto which is which makes mm-hmm. life infinitely easier. So um You remember to turn um traction control off? I did. I did bang it in track mode, so all of the assistance off, yep. um a little bit left foot brake and just absolutely stove in the uh, in the accelerator so you start on a little damp patch mm-hmm. so you can light them up no problem at all and then you have to just ease off left foot brake and just roll forward and honestly it, i'm not wanting to blow one's own trumpet but i wasn't the outlaw blown category so yeah. maybe i'm allowed it was perfect i basically <laughs> rolled into stage lit up and just stopped there perfectly oh. it was just it couldn't have gone any better and then the run after that i'm told was quite good so i put in an 11.36 on the first run mm-hmm. for a quarter mile which is I'm, not yeah, bad apparently quite yeah, good very, very good um didn't stick it in the wall which is all really i was mm-hmm. going for and then went round, had another go 11.20 that's so, very very good so that's my best time so far what tires were you running on the back uh t- um what's it Roast called mickey thompson oh yeah yeah mm. so yeah really look it's fair to say the reason we are conducting this experiment is to see how good the car is at drag racing. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, to, to analyse that, we've put a complete tard at the wheel. Mm-hmm. So you know it's nothing that I'm doing. I have no experience. I have no nothing to bring to drag racing whatsoever. So it literally is the car that is doing everything. And to get, I did another run on the first day and got another 11.2. So the thing is consistent, if nothing else. It's super fast, isn't it? And and with, with me at the wheel. So, um, the, I mean, the one caveat I will put on that is... Um, Scotty Taylor actually went out and did a couple of runs after me and he couldn't get close to my time. So. Oh, really? <laughs> Yay! I mean, he came back in saying something about fuel level in the tank or whatever, but I mean... Utter tosh. When you've yeah, got exactly. 477 kilowatts, it does not matter one whit exactly. how much fuel's in the tank. Scotty, you're sacked. Yes, exactly. So, um, yes, yeah, so absolutely phenomenal experience. I'm a bit jealous, though, because we... 
so to pull back the curtain somewhat, when we performance test, we don't use a prepared strip like the drag. You need a prepared strip when yeah. you've got drag oh, yeah. challenge cars. Yeah. So we don't do burnouts. We don't we, we don't put the special stuff down that gives uh, more traction. We yeah. run normal tires. Obviously, yeah. Mickey Thompson's are very specialised. They're still radials, but they're very good tires. Yeah. So to actually go to a drag strip and have a reasonable amount of traction, still got to pedal a car like that pretty hard. But um, mm. I'm sort of, oh, jealous we spend our t- life... Yeah, looking for those looking for grip, like, yeah. like walking around the strip looking for this tacky bit yeah, to see really, if yeah. they've still got any. So uh, it is amazing. That was another eye-opening experience for me is just how much attention they put into to tending the track. Yeah, and they have all these special machines that run up and down and make sure you grade the surface properly, and mm. they're testing it all the time. And if anything happens, they'd spend you know half an hour cleaning, and it's so meticulous. I wouldn't say you'd eat your dinner off it because that would just be bloody stupid. But <laughs> it is unbelievable. And then for me, the the main takeaway so far has been that the, just the people are, are fantastic. You think dealing with these guys have built these ridiculous cars they love speed they love doing burnouts you think they'd be a bunch of hoons and just kind of a little bit dim but they're actually brilliant people not mm. only are they incredibly welcoming they're also very restrained sort of calm people they, mm. you know they, they've got nothing to prove they've got yep. 2,000 horsepower cars so they're incredibly sort of interesting to talk to you talk about the modifications that they made there's a dude who turned up in an old Tirana who had it's a six cylinder and he's bolted on a Y and uh, supercharger that is too big to carry by yourself. It's huge, <laughs> but because that would be illegal because it sticks up through the bonnet, he unbolts it at the end of every day, packs <laughs> it into the trailer, and drives it at mo to the next thing. <laughs> oh my wow. god, he does a complete supercharger install every day on his car. <laughs> That's incredible. That's the yeah, these guys yeah. are wizards. My favorite yeah. car there, though, just to, I don't know where you're running short of time, but there's a S13 Sylvia, yeah, which looks completely That's standard. You'd like you'd walk past it and yeah. go, oh yeah, it's a fairly neat little suit. And so we don't see many of those, but it's got I think the full drivetrain and running gear out of a GTR Skyline in it. Yes. RB26 all-wheel drive yeah. does yeah. eights or something. It's incredible. Yet it's completely yeah nondescript in how the way it looks. I love that. I think the only way you could probably get someone to look a bit sideways at you is if you turned up in something not traditionally sort of drag racing. Yeah. You know, there's some hot rods there, and there's you know there's a you know, Sylvia. You can see people going, mm, not sure how we feel about your kind. Yeah. So I think if you turned up in a Renault, they they probably yeah. wouldn't. Actually, there's a Peugeot. 508 with an LS in it. What? Yeah. <laughs> Look it up. There's a yellow oh Peugeot. And that's got that's got a V8 in it as well. So yeah. We just need to relax the laws a bit because the ones in the US are truly outrageous. Oh, like they oh, run yeah. sixes because they can run wheelie bars and parachutes <laughs> on the road <laughs> or something. They're, they're like street legal funny cars. Yeah, I know. It's like, kind of scary. Actually, they're doing they're fives. Crazy. It's, it's monstrous. Yeah. Well, there we are, gentlemen. Um, if you uh... this is dragged on long enough. Ah, oh, oh, yes! Yes! I resisted nice all one, the puns. Oh. Well done. Uh, yes, please do listen in again next week uh, to see if I'm alive still. There's every chance I won't be. I've got to go and do one more, uh, one more pass at Calder Park. Um, in the meantime, do stay safe out on the road. A lot safer than I've been over the last few days. Scotty Newman and Tony O'Kane, thank you very much for joining us. Keep doing your wonderful things online. Uh, Whichcar.com.au is where you can read all about them. Uh, as I say, in the meantime, do take care on the road. My name's Daniel Gardner, and I will hopefully talk to you all again next week. Goodbye. See ya.